Good evening from the mostly new Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 572 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, September 13th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, time is ticking for TikTok. Apple is trying to support game streaming, and Amazon is literally under fire. Wherever you are, however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, or Twitter, uh, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, uh, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or of course on our website, plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us uh, in the studio. Uh, give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Everyone, I love to hear about that. Uh, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay. You can subscribe by going to plunkettslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plunkett's Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all the ways that you can watch or listen. Abram, it has been a little too long. How have you been, buddy? Yes, it's it's been a few weeks. Not bad. Not bad at all. Doing some, uh, doing some major uh, computer projects. Uh, we could talk a little bit later about PC that I built for an article, but beyond that, uh, my son has really been uh, wanting me to do th to do various uh, Raspberry Pi projects with him. Uh, I mean, he also helped me with the PC build, but uh, we've been doing a bunch of things with the Sphero Rover lately because nice. he really likes the Sphero Rover, which is a big, for those who don't know, is a robotic tank that you can attach a Raspberry Pi to if you want or not. Uh, and we've attached it, attached one to it and we had some challenges getting it to work with a, um, work with a um, pan and tilt, uh, you know, a uh -huh. pan and tilt thing with a camera. Uh, but we just got that working today. Nice. But unfortunately all the little jumper cables that connect all the things keep popping out every time the thing moves, which is dry, which is, which is making me really irritated, but, um, um, you know, so we have, we've been working on that. We've been working on a robotic, uh, arm that we have. Um, so, uh, so a bunch of things, uh, it's, uh, and obviously there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to do. There's just a ton going on in the PC world right now. Um, we all know that the NVIDIA, um, NVIDIA card, the new NVIDIA RTX 3080 and 3090 are coming out soon. Uh, we, one of our, I can tell you that our graphics editor, Jared Walton has a 3080 that he's testing, uh, because we actually did an unboxing with it Nice. last week on Tom's hardware. And for like 40 minutes, we had people asking us to show the fan and show the fans. We weren't allowed <laughs> to plug it in. Or anything, but sure. people really wanted to look in and see, you know, the outside of the card. So I can appreciate uh, that. Know, so that I can appreciate big. that. Yes, that's big. We expect some big announcements. I think a lot of people expect some big announcements from AMD coming up in October. Um, obviously, 
Intel has Intel has Tiger Lake um, things that could be going on. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of um, it's a lot going on in in the PC world right now, and and it's an exciting time with lots of lots of new parts. Yeah, for sure. And uh, while you guys did an unboxing of a video card, I did an unboxing this week of this little guy. Oh, I should, oh. I should flip it this way. <laughs> this, the duo. Yes. Um, I had I got uh, a Surface Duo this week, and uh, I have been having a lot of fun putting it through its paces. Uh, it's... It is an interesting little device. It's got a couple of quirks that are software-based that they'll probably deal with in the next week or so. Uh, but in general, it's a snappy little device. I'm surprised. <laughs> I was a little so concerned. The one, but The one thing that would... I mean, I love the concept of the dual screen. It doesn't look very pocket-friendly. Can it fit in your pocket at yes. all? Yeah. Um, I have... I have some pants with very small pockets, and the first thing I did was I put those pants on, and I tested it, and I was able to get uh, I was able to get into the pocket uh, of those pants, which was encouraging. <laughs> um, and then uh, I put on some gym shorts. I've put on some jeans. I've put on you know kind of normal See, clothes. That's, that's real benchmarking for you. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> some heavy duty benchmarking trying different different pants because my concern was the same as yours right because you know when you close it it is a bit of a big device and so you know i was concerned that something this size might not fit in my pocket and therefore not be a particularly useful device but it has uh, proven me wrong at every turn so so that's good that's what i was hoping to see yeah. was that i was going to be wrong <laughs> how are you finding the camera uh, really nice. Um, I'm going to post some pictures to um, the F5 Live, uh, no, to the Plug Hits Live uh, Facebook page and probably F5 Live as well of the studio taken in, in a pretty low light last night um, just as we were finishing it. Uh, I'm impressed. I took a picture of my dog with it and um, it's the first camera to ever pick up the red in his chest. Uh, it's the, the, the first phone camera that's ever like emphasize the redness chest. So uh, that was pretty cool. Great. So uh, I like it. I've shown it to some people and uh, I've accidentally sold a couple of them. It wasn't exactly my intention, but <laughs> um, they put it in their hands. They messed around with it for a little while. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to order one right now. So <laughs> uh. it's, it's definitely one of those things you got to have in your hand. Uh, and you'll be like, oh, okay. I think I understand. <laughs> From a conceptual standpoint, it can be difficult for some people, but so far people touching it seem to like it. Uh, I've read some tech blogs are annoyed that it's last year's hardware, but I'm coming off of Nest 10. Uh, I'm coming off of last year's hardware anyway, so. Eh. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get into our planned news tonight, uh, something happened about an hour ago and we decided we weren't going to throw out the entire rundown and uh, we'd cover it here in the opening of the show, uh, NVIDIA has announced that they have uh, acquired ARM for $40 billion. Abram, that is crazy. Yep. 
so that uh, that is going to really shake up the chip industry mm -hmm. because uh, just for folks who don't know, who may be watching or listening and don't understand what ARM does, the besides Intel, which makes its chips for PCs, and AMD, which makes its chips for PCs, and they may both make chips for servers. Mm -hmm. um, the main so the main source of processor chips um, there are are chips that use ARM technology. But the ARM company actually doesn't make anything. They make the the IP. They make the they design the architecture and then they license it. Right. And so, in your phone, every single phone is an ARM processor. But your ARM processor might be made by Apple. Might be Apple's ARM processor. Might be Qualcomm's ARM processor. It's probably if you're in the United States, it's probably Apple or Qualcomm sure. making the processor in, in their phone. But in other countries, they have some other manufacturers like Rockchip and MediaTek. MediaTek—that's um, the name I was trying to come up with. Lots of other and lots of other companies, Broadcom, and lots of other companies besides. Forget phones. I mean, all kinds of things are using ARM chips. You may not even know about. Maybe the the infotainment system mm -hmm. in your car. Maybe your smart TV, right. your set-top box, your smart any smart home system. Your a lot of your things Alexa, are your Alexa-powered uh, toaster oven. <laughs> yeah, so many things. You probably have multiple ARM-powered devices in your home right now. Yeah, even if you don't know it, but none of them are manufactured by ARM. They're manufactured by you know, dozens of different manufacturers and each one of them is free to, I mean, ARM, I've never totally understood this. ARM provides them with sort of the base technology, but then they, they innovate on top of it. So it's yeah. not like every ARM V7 processor is the same. It's, um, they provide different, you know, they keep coming out with new versions of the architecture, but then companies are free to iterate on, on top of that. It's kind of they do. It's kind of like Wi-Fi in that there's a standard for the base, and then you know the Nighthawk takes the standard to extremes, but but it's still based on the Wi-Fi standard. Right. So anyway, this company Arm had been sort of a neutral, sort of a neutral third party in in its own ecosystem. It didn't make the chips. And it, it, you know, Qualcomm and Apple could at least take, um, and MediaTek and all those could at least take solace in the fact that they were competing against each other. They weren't competing against the company that owns mm -hmm. the tech that owns the technology. But now, you have Nvidia buying ARM. Now, Nvidia isn't per se competing with. I mean, at one point they were trying to get into phones. But that was a long time ago, and yeah. they gave up. So NVIDIA, not necessarily doing... I mean, they do have their Tegra chips, and they do use ARM processors in uh, things like the Jetson, like their um, some of their board, their AI boards. So sure. I think that is ARM in it. So I don't know if, per se, NVIDIA will be seen as a competitor buying the te technology, but 
it it's definitely not exactly a neutral third party because you know it is a chip maker it is not just selling the technology now to be fair we see this all over the technology industry right google makes android but they also make their own phones microsoft makes windows and when microsoft decided to do the surfaces i thought oh man they they're they're going to regret this because they're supposed to be seen as a sort of a, a neutral operating system provider but it hasn't stopped uh you know hasn't made companies think twice about using windows on their products so right. i don't know maybe it maybe it has no impact or maybe some of these companies start to think we don't really like um where this is going particularly if nvidia does anything that raises the cost and they may you know they may look for other types of chips to make although besides arm you know what else will people do risk v it's uh it's an interesting question what type of architecture a chip would use if it does not use arm yeah um now in, in fairness the former the soon to be former owner of arm is softbank which um has its fingers in a lot of pots um including you know previously owning uh the majority stake in Sprint and a couple of other things. So they weren't exactly a neutral party themselves. You know, they had relationships with chip makers. They had relationships with, with phone manufacturers. Uh, Oppo um, had, uh, had uh, a SoftBank owned uh, chip manufacturer making uh, stuff for their phones. So even SoftBank for the last four years hasn't been entirely neutral, but NVIDIA is far less neutral, uh, certainly in the West, than SoftBank would have been. Uh, so, so yeah, I there, there were concerns when SoftBank bought it that, you know, the same thing that you were saying about Microsoft and, uh, and the Surface. There were concerns when SoftBank bought uh, ARM and... None of that came to fruition. So hopefully we'll see the same thing here, you know, with NVIDIA being mostly not interested in, you know, building ARM stuff. They they build stuff on ARM, but they don't mostly compete in that space. So hopefully we'll see the same behavior. Fingers crossed, right? There's some thought, though, that they might bring, that NVIDIA might bring its graphics expertise to to ARM. And so you might actually see... I mean, NVIDIA obviously is the leader in graphics technology for, for the PC. They are a leader in artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So it's quite possible that they could, that, I mean, I'm sure they're not just buying it to buy it. I mean, they, sure. I'm sure they have some vision of synergy where we're having control of this uh, really allows them to integrate other NVIDIA technologies with ARM. Yeah, for sure. So Obviously, we'll see uh, where this goes. It is literally, as we're on air now, it's been a little over an hour uh, since this, this announcement was made. So we know very little except the $40, million, $40 billion price point up from 32 when SoftBank bought it uh, four years ago, which goes to show just how important ARM is to the mobile space. So... Uh, we will keep track of this. We will probably circle back next week once we have more information about, you know, the plans for for separation and of of 
Nvidia from Arm what their what their plans are for uh, keeping it independent, which is our guess on how it'll happen or not. Who knows? So <laughs> we will circle back at some point and uh, keep you updated on where it goes. But we've got some other things to talk about, so let's do that now. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, an Xbox One, a Series S, a Series X, <laughs> games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students in active military can save up to 10% on almost anything. And you can find out about more. What? You can find out more about that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry about that. Don't know why a phone started talking. Anyway, so um, we've talked a lot over the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks uh, about the future of TikTok in the United States and uh, the West in general, but particularly here in the U.S. Um, if you have not been following, there was a series of executive orders that went out. The first was uh, earlier in uh, August, I think it was August 6th, uh, that set a deadline of September 15th for a U.S. company to purchase the U.S. operations of TikTok or see a ban after a, um, a legal advisory group uh, took a look at, uh, at what was happening. A new deadline was set, however, um, some public statements from the uh, current administration suggest that the 15th deadline, which is two days from today, might hold. And if that's the case, um, a purchase has to happen by basically close of business on Tuesday or on the... It happened. It happened? Yes, 30 minutes ago. Oh, my God. Okay. Here, great. <laughs> This is honest to God. This is like the this is like the the week that AT and T announced that they were purchasing T Mobile, and we just had to throw the whole rundown out. Oracle, it's Oracle. Oh, Oracle, it's huh? Oracle. Okay, yes. that's so, interesting, isn't it? Yes, for a number of reasons. Uh, let's start with the restrictions that were put on the purchase from China. Um, none of. And it's the same restrictions that we have uh, on U.S. Uh, exports. Uh, encryption technology and AI technology cannot be exported. And China put the same policies in place uh, ahead of this sale, which basically means that the, um, the following matchmaking algorithm, the feed algorithm uh, for TikTok are not part of the purchase, which made the purchase less attractive to the Microsoft Walmart uh, deal uh, and apparently not at all less attractive to Oracle, despite the fact that they have no real expertise in either of those uh, yeah, it, areas. It, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, I guess the only way it makes sense is that Oracle, that Larry Ellison has a good relationship with the president, and so he's that could be he could feel good that it that it won't uh, that the that it won't be banned. 
Uh, right now, we don't have a lot of information. What I'm seeing on what I'm seeing right now is that it it's not an outright it's not described as an outright sale. So, okay, who knows? I mean, it. I have no idea why Oracle would wish to own this. You know what? Here's my prediction. My prediction is that Oracle at some point unloads this, but maybe not for a year or two or, or a few. Like, it's one of those things where clearly there's not a cultural fit between or an interest fit between the buyer and the company and you know that you know it can't last yeah like think about some other things we've seen that happen like that like when google bought um motorola right they bought motorola yeah. and immediately it was like oh wait google wants to be a phone manufacturer now funny thing was that google actually has become more of a phone manufacturer but they never wanted to do it with motorola right so they kept the patents i think and they sold the rest to lenovo but for a short time there was some pretense that they were going to really you know be a good corporate parent to to motorola uh so i don't know uh i i don't know what oracle is is thinking i mean because i it's hard for me to imagine Oracle getting into the social media business. Yeah, because Oracle has no consumer front to it at all. Um, at least Microsoft's got Xbox. They've got LinkedIn. They've, you know, there are, they've got Windows. They've got Office. They've got, like, people-fronted <laughs> products and services, whereas Oracle is really, like, an enterprise development kind of company they've got the slowest most painful database in existence uh in its namesake uh but they also own mysql um they are responsible for java since uh acquiring sun uh but none of that is what a 19 year old social media person would use or even know exists so maybe they're trying yeah. to get their name in front of a new group, I, but a group Why? that has no interest in what they do. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, over there. I also don't think it really jives with like, I mean, most companies want to be in the business that Oracle is in. They, they, they right. like serving business. It's a good, it's a good gig. You don't have to deal with ornery consumers. You don't have to deal with the, with the controversy. I mean, a social network. No, yeah, you have uh, to deal with annoying developers. I mean, there's so many, but there's so much friction there. It's such a yeah. high friction uh, situation. It's hard for me to imagine what what they're thinking. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine what they're thinking. It's almost it almost feels like they just didn't want Microsoft to have it or something. Right. That could um, be, uh, you know, there's, there's three main databases that are used in the wild. They are Oracle, MySQL and SQL server. I, there are others, but statistically those are the three. And, um, it's Oracle and Microsoft that own them. There are three main 
uh, programming languages. There's Swift, which Apple owns. There's Java, which is Oracle. And there's C Sharp, which is Microsoft. Microsoft and Oracle face off a lot in things behind the scenes of the things that you use. And maybe or oh, maybe Oracle's whole plan, because the data engine is also not coming along with this, uh, according to uh, reports on the Chinese uh, approval process, which would mean that somebody's going to have to build a new backend before it gets sold. And I bet Microsoft and uh, and Oracle were fighting over whether it be it would be Java and Oracle or C Sharp and SQL Server on the new backend. Yeah, I mean, but they're paying for it. It's not paying them, so I'm not really sure how that benefits them. Well, yeah, but uh, well, if if both companies had the intention, Oracle almost certainly does. Microsoft may have as well. If the intention was to purchase it now and then sell the operations back off, um, either back to ByteDance when the administration changes or um, uh, to somebody else who's in the social media space, Facebook, Twitter, somebody like that, if the back end was now all of a sudden in their technology, there could be some benefit there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Microsoft, no actually, <laughs> Microsoft actually has a good... I mean, the two companies that I... The three companies I could have seen taking interest in this, Microsoft, Google, uh, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook. Yeah. Because... Maybe Twitter. All... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Twitter is... Maybe. Maybe yeah, probably the, I, they were they were in the but, they were in one of the bidding groups at one point, but they backed out pretty early. Yeah, but I mean, those are companies that sort of want to have a social media presence. I mean, Microsoft would like to to be cool, you know. Yeah, um, and social, Google, you know, failed with Google. Microsoft Social sure wasn't Google it. Plus, right? Yeah, I mean, they've all tried. They've Microsoft and Google have sort of tried at social and had trouble. Um, and Facebook is very successful at social. So this would strengthen their, their hand more. True. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. We don't know, obviously another developing story, literally while we're on air. Um, we don't know, uh, the details of the purchase. We don't know what technology, uh, is coming over and what is not uh, because that has literally not been disclosed yet. So uh, over the next couple of days, we will probably hear more details. I don't know if I'm, unless it's truly bonkers, I don't know if we want to talk about this story one more time, uh, but we may write about it again uh, to uh, to update on, on what has happened. But it's definitely, the whole situation is bizarre. Oracle makes it even more bizarre in my book. Uh, but you know, we don't have control over the weird things. We don't know the inner workings of what's happening. And, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess at some point we'll figure out what's going on, but right now it's definitely strange. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, 
say goodbye to regional restrictions and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all your devices, and you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on together, and I know you've had some projects going on. I feel like you're going to show us something tonight. Dun, 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 reveal. Well, I don't know how exciting that is to look at behind me, but there is an $800 PC that I have built. Um, it is, and I want to talk about what you can build for $800 these days. So um, one of the things that's a little bit of a compromise is the, the really the only RGB in this thing, the only cool lighting is, uh, is on the front built into the case. But uh, we, we started and we took a look. Hey, what, what, can you, what type of PC can you put together for under, uh, under $800? And why $800? Well, a lot of people want to build a PC for under $500, and it is possible, but you really have to compromise on performance and storage. $800, I think, is the beginning sweet spot for getting something that is good for a variety of things, gaming, productivity, and streaming. So you might be asking, well, why buy? Why not? Why, why, not, why build a PC? Why not just buy a pre-built? desktop well it would definitely cost you several hundred dollars more to get what we put together in this pc so here's what here's what's inside for slightly less than 800 dollars. although prices may vary day to day things go on sale off sale things you know the particular video card we bought might be out of stock now and in stock next week so keep that in mind so What's in the system here? Well, first of all, this case, um, $60. It is an Antec DP301M micro ATX case. Uh, it's really quite nice. Um, it has a glass, tempered glass side panel over here. It has this RGB light in the front. It's got USB ports on the top and, and audio ports. Um, and it's really good for cable management and not making things a mess. Uh, the CPU inside here is an AMD Ryzen 5 3600 CPU, which goes for around $185. That gives you six cores and 12 threads. So it's very good for multitasking and it can go up to 4.2 gigahertz. So it's pretty quick. Uh, while you can get in a Core i5 from Intel for around the same price, uh, this gives you more threads for better multitasking. And it also comes with a really decent quality fan in the box, so you don't need to go out and buy a separate CPU fan. We also, for the graphics card, we were able to put in an, an NVIDIA GTX 1660 Super graphics card. Uh, this particular model that we put in there is a gigabyte, but there are many brands that, uh, that sell GTX 1660 Super uh, based cards, and this was $230. And with it, we were able to get uh, really solid frame rates of uh, 40 to 60 FPS, 
on high settings on some AAA games at 1080p. Now, if you want to go up to playing at higher resolutions like 2K or you want ray tracing, then you got to spend more. But uh, really pretty decent performance for a $230 graphics card. Uh, we were also able to put in 16 gigabytes of RAM, uh, a set of Patriot Viper Steel memory, uh, which was high-speed DDR4 RAM, cost $58, and a one terabyte Western Digital SN550, Western Digital Blue SN550 SSD, uh, which only costs cost 105 when we bought it, but you can often find it on sale for $95. And that is a PCIe uh, storage drive, so it's it's high speed it's high speed uh, SSD storage. It's not an old fashioned SATA drive. Uh, rounding out the build, we have a 600 watt power supply that costs $55. It is a Thermaltake uh, TR2 power supply. It is not a high-end power supply, but power supplies have gotten very expensive, and that's an area where we really wanted to, uh, you know, cut some costs. And we got a Gigabyte B550 DS3H micro ATX motherboard that uh, that provides uh, really solid solid performance, good good mix of ports, uh, four four slots for RAM. Um, really really quite decent so all told our build came out to about 794 dollars now that is at the time we bought it we bought the parts that is not counting um a few things it does not count the cost of the operating system which you may already have a copy of windows or you may get by a key uh, for 20 bucks somewhere, or you may uh, may be eligible to get it for free. There's a lot of ways to get Windows for free. You can even, uh, we have an article about this on Tom's Hardware called How to Get Windows 10 for Free or Cheap. Um, so you do not have to pay $130 for a Windows license. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition, we also spent, this is, we don't count this toward the total because a lot of people would put the PC near a router, uh, but I bought a, a an 802.11 AC USB Wi-Fi dongle for $37, um, and that you know we we're using that to connect to the internet because my office my home office here is kind of far from the router. But uh, all told, you can see how we did it. Uh, more details with the parts by going to Tom'sHardware.com. We've got. The article on the $800 PC, but um, I think the overall message is you can you can build a pretty capable PC for for under $800, and not only can you use it for gaming and use it for things like Photoshop, but this was actually quite competent to stream all the games that I all the games that we played on it. Games like Red Dead Redemption 2, we'd lose about an average of about 10% on the frame rate from streaming, which is really not bad. Now, when you say that, uh, do you mean streaming the game via something like xCloud or streaming Twitch. your play to Twitch? Okay. Streaming to, I'm sorry, yes, streaming to Twitch. Obviously, if you're streaming from xCloud, then 
and you know lots going on in the cloud this is all the processing is taking place on on the system so if you're playing a game like red dead redemption which was getting like 55 frames a second for us um or is it 55 maybe i'm confusing which that was one of the harder one of the more demanding games so if you're playing a game that's getting say 55 frames per second you might lose five frames per second by also streaming it to twitch okay and i tested this by streaming not just the game but also uh video of myself and audio of myself so it was having to do both stream stream the game compress the stream and incorporate video from my webcam gotcha so you were doing you were doing live processing on top of live encoding uh and and yes. you only lost about 10 percent. that's actually not bad yeah. yeah it's it's pretty good that that is with the h uh, those who do streaming to twitch know that may know that there's you have a choice of a couple of different compressions x264 um it's x264 gives you um gives it to you uh using the processor but then there's also if you use an nvidia card like this there's nv inc which you can use which has the video card do do the processing i thought having the video card do the processing would mean that you got better performance but actually it was one or two frames per second worse so i wouldn't recommend using nv inc but um anyway yeah, it's really not bad considering, I mean, a lot of streamers actually have a second PC that they use for picking mm-hmm. up the stream. And obviously, if you're streaming from a console, you might need that. But if you're streaming from a PC game, you really don't lose a lot of performance. That's that's really cool because obviously we've talked uh, not in a whole lot of depth, but somewhat about the machine that we use here in the studio. Uh, and, you know, we do we do 264 for our stream. And, uh, you know, if you're watching, if you're watching the video, you know, there's all kinds of, there's, there's motion now, there's two of us doing split screen, there's all, and it's all being done on the, on the system. And we learned the same thing was that, uh, letting the processor be in charge, uh, made things run better. And so that's why we ended up with the Threadripper that we did. But, uh, but yeah, uh, obviously what we're doing is a whole lot more, uh, more in, intensive for for the encoding but you know the the fact that that uh it's able to do that much without losing too much uh on the frame rate really impressive i mean i think it helps to have a processor that has 12 threads mm-hmm. so it doesn't need that many threads for the games right yeah that definitely helps and you know the what does this one have 32 or or something like that so so yeah i I, I can definitely attest we went up from from 16 to 32 on this machine and it changed our lives as as our regular viewers know uh, so so yeah being able to push that stuff off to the the processor is nice and I imagine you have a, a full list of everything that's in here on the website yes 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 full list pictures description of how how I built it any problems that we ran into very minor it was actually pretty easy to build it was the easiest build I've ever done. I didn't cut myself. It booted up when I turned it on the first time. All things that usually don't happen when I do a PC build. Yeah, um, yeah, me, me too. I wasn't even doing a PC build this week, and I've got a cut here on my finger that's 
<laughs> it's pretty big because I was just trying to get a computer that used to work to work again. Yeah. <laughs> no changes. <laughs> so powering on first time. Congratulations. That's great. Uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, to, to going and checking out the, the full list of it's in there. And I want to see the pictures because, you know, seeing it, I'm looking over at you now. For those of you who are noticing that I'm doing things differently tonight, it's because I don't have him over here yet because the studio is still in process. So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at you to my right like I used to. Um, and seeing the computer back there is fun, but I really want to see pictures in progress. Those are my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I have pictures of the inside. And, oh, Very cool. Well, as always, Avram, I, I definitely always appreciate uh, getting to see some of the the weird things that you get to work on that, that I don't. So, uh, uh, what? Sorry. My brain's a little fried right this second. Cause we had two segments in a row go, uh, change on us. So, so what? Thank you for, uh, for showing it off. And, uh, I look forward to seeing all the details and, uh, finding out what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life and F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on PC, console, or mobile from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, um, a light to make your Twitch stream better, or an entire gaming setup like the Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, so let's see if this story has changed in the last hour on us. <laughs> um, we have we've talked a lot about uh, the controversies around Apple's App Store policies. Um, the most obvious has been the battle with Epic, in which Apple seems to have no interest in stepping down. Uh, they are going to fight this one with everything they have. It seems because it's gone to court. On the other hand, there's the game streaming apps. And in this case, we're not talking about Twitch. We're talking about Google Stadia, um, the the Xbox game streaming, or um, uh, Facebook gaming, things like that, uh, where one app has games within it that are uh, part of an external subscription. Um, none of those have been available. Did to uh, to draw the ire of Apple. Um, they didn't violate Stadia and uh, Xbox available on their platform because, like Avram and I talked about, all of a sudden this big emerging gaming technology is going was going to be completely unavailable to Apple users. So what did they do? They did a lot, and we have a link to the full uh, policies, but 
There's a lot to read, and if you're not a developer, you may not be able to follow it. Here's what they've done. They've made it so that Stadia and, uh, and xCloud are, can be available on the App Store, but each game has to have its own individual metadata submitted to Apple so that the games can be individually listed like they are for um, uh, the Apple Arcade. Which theoretically would make sense if you were downloading the in, installing the apps from the store. But that's not what's happening. You're launching an external app to, to, uh, to play the game on a subscription. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, they've also made it so that uh, they've done that so that each game has to be approved by Apple, which I understand uh, in their policies uh, and in their mind, the way games work. I understand how that happens. Um, they have also uh, insisted that any in-game purchases be made available only through the App Store. So here are our problems. Uh, if it's an Xbox game, and let's pretend it's not coming through the game streaming service where you, you don't pay for in-game content. Um, let's say there was content. I can guarantee that an Xbox game cannot support the concept of external payments through streaming because the game's not actually on your device. It's on a server somewhere. And it's just streaming pictures, essentially video to your phone. So that would be difficult, but that's not how the Xbox game streaming service works. It might be how Stadia works. It's almost certainly how Facebook gaming works. So that's going to be an interesting challenge. Um, listing each game uh, is going to be weird uh, and a lot of work, especially up front. But I think it can be done uh, up front. You know, you've got, you know, Microsoft will have a hundred and something games to, to get listed. But they've been adding, what, four or five every couple of weeks. I think they can deal with that. And if something doesn't get approved, it doesn't get listed on Apple. Okay. But the thing that's weird here is that this is being treated so differently from video streaming, right? Netflix doesn't have to get permission from Apple for each TV show they license. So it's, it's strange to me Imagine that... Imagine if they did. Right? That would be crazy. But that's exactly what Apple is demanding of, of Microsoft and Google here, is that... Each game has to be individually listed. Spotify doesn't have to get permission for each song. So I don't know what it is about games that, that Apple feels they have the, the, the right to be different, but here we are. Maybe, the, maybe it's because Apple thinks they can get away with it. Oh, they can get away with um, it. They know right. they can I get mean, away with it. I don't, I don't think that Apple could get away with it if they attempted to do such a thing to Spotify. True. Um, also, I mean, maybe I guess they differentiate between something that's software and something that's media. So there's music and movies are media. I, Nevertheless, they are also competing with mm -hmm. iTunes. Yeah. I think, I think when it comes to something like Netflix or Spotify, if they were, if Spotify was required to to uh, list every song, it would mean that in the app, essentially in the Apple Music app, 
you'd be able to launch Spotify and there's no way Apple wants that. <laughs> and same thing with the video. You'd, you'd be able to launch Netflix and not have the, the, you know, you can buy it or rent it from Apple or Netflix already has it for free. That, <laughs> ooh, that would not be good for them. But Halo is only available through the Xbox game streaming. So, you know, they I think I think they have more muscle here because there's no way listing a Halo game in the App Store that then opens the Xbox game streaming app could possibly hurt sales for Apple, but listing music or or uh, movies might So it, it'll be interesting. Um, the, the companies don't seem to um, be terribly excited about this yet. Nobody's gone, yay, this is the thing that is going to make it possible for us. You know, Xbox didn't come out and go, well, Xbox game streaming is coming to Apple. They're like, meh. So <laughs> it may not be enough, but it does show that Apple is willing to to look at its policies and respond to consumer and publisher demand, which is something that the, uh, the, the Epic conversation has not suggested. So, you know, when you approach it correctly, it seems like, like, uh, they're willing to have a discussion, which I think is a good sign that maybe if, if Microsoft and Google and Facebook say, well, this is okay but we really need to make these changes maybe they will maybe uh we'll actually see these things come what do you think yeah maybe i mean i think they they have a lot of they have some leverage i think both sides have some leverage which i think is a good thing uh, apple has leverage because obviously it's their platform and microsoft and google have leverage to say you know what this is too much work we're just going to stay on android exclusively and uh, your users are going to lose out. And then uh, the the iPhone users go, hey, why are we getting screwed over? So I, th I think they both have some leverage, which which will be good because hopefully in the end, the thing that happens will be the best, the best solution for everybody involved. So fingers crossed, no telling, but let's cross our fingers on it. <laughs> This week's news from the Tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find out what uh, full-length feature films short films and uh, TV shows and live events are available. You can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Um, so at the beginning of, of the lockdown, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of talk about price gouging, particularly on online stores. Um, there were new stores that were not... Uh, reputable popping up with you know things like face masks uh, at unbelievable high prices 50 60 dollars um for a pack of masks um and we saw some of it happen on platforms like amazon and ebay 
And both companies responded real quick. Uh, eBay uh, made it so that certain products couldn't be listed at all. Uh, Amazon went through and uh, uh, year to date has removed over a million products and 10,000 stores from the platform uh, over price gouging concerns. But as it turns out, some of uh, Amazon's first party listings uh, have prices that are equally out of control. In fact, uh, the consumer watchdog organization Public Citizen uh, raised awareness of a number of products that over the last few months have gone up as much as a thousand percent, including uh, face masks again that have gone from four dollars to forty, and uh, cornstarch of all weird things that has gone up from ninety cents to nine dollars. Um, obviously, uh, Amazon's pricing isn't managed by people. It's managed by an AI system. And so, uh, someone somewhere must be doing something to, uh, screw up the AI's metadata collection. Um, but the fact that these products get listed like that is, is concerning. I know, uh, I was I was on uh, GNC Weekly this this past Friday, and we talked about this. And Avram, we mentioned you because uh, uh, with anything Amazon, uh, camel, camel, camel is uh, is our favorite thing to make sure that a price is not out of control. And uh, if you go and look at the SKUs that are that are pointed out by Public Citizen, you can see the giant hump show up and disappear um, as as whatever AI system finds some bad metadata, it goes through the roof and then some alert comes up on an Amazon employee's computer that goes, hey, so uh, this price went up a lot. You want to look into it? And they go, oh, that can't be right. And they fix it. But you can you can actually see uh, you can see it happen on on Abrams favorite <laughs> price checking website. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned this because Prime Day, so everybody knows what Amazon Prime Day is, I think. Prime Day is that uh, Amazon shopping holiday, and normally it takes place in July. But this year, the company has uh, postponed it because of COVID-19. But all all the rumors, all the leaks suggest that it will be happening in October. And I just did a story on Friday about... Prime Day, when it should be coming and what to expect and how to tell if you're actually getting a deal. And I said, use Camel, Camel, Camel. So everyone, (laughs) install the Camelizer, which is Camel, Camel, Camel's Chrome plugin. And when you're on a product page on Amazon, if you click it, it will show you what the price for that item has been, the highest it's ever been, the lowest it's ever been, and a chart of all the vicissitudes of its pricing. So, you know, Hey, wait a second, this is on sale now, but it's, but actually it was cheaper a month ago. The the shoes, the shoes from, uh, from prime day, uh, 2019 or 2018, where the prime day price was a 75% higher than it was the day before. So, yeah, that's, some, that's something you really got to keep in mind. Also, you might see that it's just like this, which means that the price has been the same. Mm-hmm. Or 
because when they show you the price crossed out on Amazon, that's it's never been it may have never been that price. Right. That right? might like just be MSRP. The MSRP. The MSRP has never been the MSRP. Right. It might yeah. be oh wow, this is $99 and it's on sale for $80. And then you look and it's like, wait a second, actually, it's usually $82, mm-hmm. not um, not $99. This is only $2 off. So, so the urgency isn't as important in that $2. Right, exactly. So that's why you've got you've to look. And then you may say, oh, wow, it was cheaper for the other thing that you need to do is if it is a computer part of any kind or peripheral, you might want to check PCPartPicker.com. Oh, yeah. PC Part Picker uh, is really good at tracking prices of individual components. They are the absolute best at it. Yes. And they track across... Actually, I don't think they track Amazon. I think they track they everything but Amazon. No, they do. They have oh, Amazon. Oh, they do now track yeah. Amazon? Okay. So they, but they have, importantly, they have things that are not Amazon. They have Newegg and they have a couple others. And B&H. that's what you want to be looking at because what? B&H. What else? B&H. B&H, right. They have B&H, Newegg, a few other places where you would commonly get computer parts peripherals at a good deal. Good price. So you, you really want to be looking there because Amazon, this might be the lowest it was ever on Amazon, but it might be lower somewhere else all the time. So. Yeah, exactly. Just because, just because it's a a uh, hundred dollars on Amazon doesn't mean it's not sixty dollars on Newegg. Which, which is exactly what oh. you know when we built when we rebuilt the computer for in here, uh, PC part pickers, how we did it, uh, and yeah, you know, in addition to the pricing stuff, it also makes sure that the stuff you're buying is compatible, which. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, it's an absolutely amazing, brilliant site. Uh, those folks do a fantastic job. You can actually make like a little shopping cart of all the parts and it'll total up uh, what it would cost you. And then you can send it to somebody. It's, mm-hmm. it's and then you can really, link really cool. Then you can link out to the stores. It's like these are the three that, are, that yeah. are best on Amazon and these two are best on Newegg and this one you should get from B&H. Yeah. And then when you click it, it opens up yeah. the browser windows. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, so, so there are a lot of tools to make sure that, that, you know, AI based pricing on, on Amazon doesn't get you and things like that, but that's not Amazon's only problem this week. Price gouging isn't their only issue. Um, they also have, um, uh, thanks to a CNN investigation, uh, and the help of the university of Maryland, uh, product testers, um, they confirmed that there are a variety of Amazon Basics branded products that have major safety concerns that Amazon has been aware of through consumer, uh, through through customer reviews, and has not addressed, including uh, the product I mentioned earlier, the uh, connected uh, microwave. <laughs> Um, that product is sparking and has, in at least one case, caught fire. Um, and potentially has happened when the device has been off, which is really concerning. Uh, there has also been a lot of concern over Amazon Basics, uh, USB wall warts uh, and USB cables getting hot and uh, melting. And uh, Amazon Leaves has left these products up. Um, obviously, now that this CNN report has come out this week, they're going to 
have to take a closer look at the products, but it does go to show when a company, when a seller gets as big as Amazon and they start white labeling a ton of products, it gets hard to manage. You know, white label products can be a real challenge because they may never have them in their hand. They may, you know, come from some manufacturer in China. They get the Amazon basic stamp on them. They might get drop shipped. Who knows? Amazon may never actually see the product. Um, And so that's a huge problem. That's that's the problem. I mean, Amazon certainly has enough money and resources to do a better job of safety testing its products. Yes, absolutely. Period. And should they be doing really it. They don't have an excuse. Absolutely. And they should be doing it more regularly than they are. Obviously, they, um, and, and we can go back to a, a product that we've talked about a lot because it ruined my Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the, um, the Monster Luminescence LED strips. You know, when those things first came out, they worked great. You know, we had a whole bunch of them over, all over the old office. Uh, and then all of a sudden, oh, they stopped. Thankfully, it was just that the that the transceiver was garbage. But that could have been a heat issue. There could have been all kinds of, of problems that happened there. So you can't just test it on the first batch. You have to spot check them over time and make sure that nothing weird's happening. But Amazon has the best database of consumer reviews. They have people posting videos of this microwave sparking they're po- and Amazon's not addressing it. So, you know, that, yeah, I mean, that's going to change because of this, this investigation. But well, I, I asked this question, how does, if their microwave sparks, how is it that Panasonic and, you know, sharp and, you know, LG, are able to maintain quality on their microwaves, right? Because they're not white labeled, I mean, for one. They're, they're manufacturing. Yeah, but they're, they're more heavily involved in the product instead of having somebody else design, build, and then just stamp their name on it. Well, sometimes, most of the time. <laughs> you put your name out there. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta live with it. You gotta live with the consequences, right? Absolutely. And. Amazon has to has to live with the consequences. Now, yeah, I'm. It seems like they had they didn't have enough involvement in making sure that this stuff was high quality. Right. And I have to admit, I have gotten Amazon Basic stuff on the premise that well, how bad could it be? Because Amazon wouldn't make something that terrible, right? Right. And you're far from the only one. Ironically, the uh, the wall warts that we used to power the monster illuminescence are Amazon Basics branded. I mean, I just kind of assume better than that than some no name brand, right? It's Amazon. Uh, they must have some level of quality. Now I'm sitting here looking on my desk at the Amazon rechargeable battery charger that I got. Thinking, well, did that make the list? I hope not. I mean, I looked at the reviews; they were all they were all very positive about it. That's good. But um, that that brings us back to to the the same topic. Uh, it may not be on price, but it's still base, it's still research, right? Do your research on a product. It doesn't matter what it is. 
if you're looking at price, camel, 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 PC part picker, things like that. But also look at the reviews. Look at a from a couple of standpoints. Look at the best. Look at the worst. Look at the newest. Um, because you know, if you look at a product, yeah, and that has had reviews for two years, it's the same as looking at a restaurant. Just because it's five star doesn't mean it wasn't purchased three months ago, and all of a sudden the last twelve reviews are garbage. You got to look yeah, at yeah, the newest. It, 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 you could have this, you could have a serious problem. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you my quick user review story. So for, first of all, I do have to wonder about the editorial integrity of user reviews on some, some sites. We know, for example, on Amazon, a lot of manufacturers are doing things to kind of basically bribe people to mm-hmm. do positive reviews. Yeah. Uh, for example, when I, uh, when I got this uh, USB Wi-Fi dongle, it had a little card in it that said like, Hey, if you you know give us a review, uh, which I think they mean a positive review, send us a picture of it or some send us a link to it, and we'll send you a a, a free USB flash drive or something. Yep. And I had um, a I just bought I just bought a, a thing for my kitchen, uh, a mandolin, and inside it was like if you give us a review and send us a link to it, we'll uh, we'll send you one of these two things. Right. So. And sometimes they give things for free to people to do it. So, you know, there's some editorial integrity problems there, but at least you get the feeling, particularly since Amazon left up ones that said that their own products caught fire, mm-hmm. that they are letting through honest, some honest negative reviews. And I was a fool when I bought my washing machine and dryer a few years ago because I, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of, unlike with laptops and microphones and, you know, computer stuff, there's not a ton of places that review appliances, large appliances. There's consumer reports, but they don't review every, every model. And, uh, you know, the model that I was looking at was Samsung and it had... Um, on Home Depot, it had something like four and a half, five stars. And I think Consumer Reports said that Samsung brand was good, but they hadn't reviewed that particular model that I got. Well, lo and behold, we, uh, first of all, when it came, it was leaking all over the place, which I guess could happen with any model, but we had to have, have the appliance store come and fix it at, like two times. But also, when I looked at Amazon, it had a slew of negative reviews for my... I didn't think to look on Amazon for a washing machine, sure. right? Because it's usually not a good place to get an appliance. But, there, but even if you didn't plan to buy it there, read the reviews. Because there were people who showed that my washing machine uh, is, has a serious problem where if you are in a certain mode, it can explode. Um, and... Uh, by explode, I don't think they mean catch fire. They mean like literally it can just like the wall of it can break off and shoot across the room because it because it's not. Um, and Samsung actually had to do a recall on these eventually, although uh, we signed up for the recall and nobody ever got back to us. So we still have it. We just don't run it in that mode. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're OK. But anyway, long story short, read through user reviews on Amazon 
even if you don't plan to buy something from Amazon uh, and do what you said, look at the negative ones. Yep. Granted, you... someone will always get something defective. Like you will sure. always find someone who got something defective. Like they I used to defective. Like, like I used to say at Radio Shack, yeah. everything that's mass produced has a failure rate. Right. So for sure, when you look at the one star reviews, some people will say, this this was defective mm -hmm. but the but then you look at why it was def why was it defective was it right. just doa okay doa can can happen and you see a lot of those or is it like this is defective because this piece is flimsily made and it fell off or right well wait a sec that suggests real build quality issues exactly so so definitely definitely look at reviews look at prices look at do your research before you you make a purchase it doesn't matter what it's on um you know, just because it's got a big name brand on it, like Samsung, doesn't mean that it's that it's going to be uh, perfect. And just because it has a a no name brand on it, doesn't mean that it's going to be going to be garbage. You know, do your research, make sure make sure you know what you're up against uh, when you make a purchase. And that's not just Amazon; that's everywhere. That's everything. You know, do your homework because if you get, end up with something. That's uh, garbage at that point. It's on you if you uh, if you didn't do your research. So you always should. Yeah. And now, ironically. <laughs> this week's DRM not included in F5 Live is powered by Amazon Prime. <laughs> Uh, I always love it when that happens. Um, you know that you get free shipping on lots of products, but uh, there's a whole lot more than that. There's free music with Amazon Prime Music. There's free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. There's free games and a free subscription on Twitch with the newly renamed Amazon Prime Gaming and a whole lot more. And you can learn more about uh, some of these benefits. Get a 30-day free trial if you're not a subscriber. Uh, or uh, even get a link to send it as a gift to somebody who else, uh, somebody else who may not be, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right, so this is an interesting and touchy subject, and uh, we're going to try and treat it with all the sensitivity that we can. Um, Disney has come under fire uh, this week for uh, their newest live-action remake, Mulan. Not because it's necessarily a bad movie, but uh, because of uh, some of the more political aspects of it, in particular the fact that part of the movie was filmed in an area of China that has been used by the Chinese government as a prison camp for a group of the country's uh, Muslim residents. Um, the reports from inside of these camps have varied wildly from uh, your standard, you know, communist re-education camp through forced labor, um, and uh, there have been reports of... Uh, of um, What's the word I'm looking for? An organized genocide. Organized was the word I was looking for. Um, so the reports from the region do vary wildly, but none of them are great. 
Um, and Disney filmed part of this movie in that region and then, in the credits, thanked the organization within the Chinese government that is responsible for the propaganda that has allowed the government to create these prison camps. Obviously, that has returned to Disney um, a lot of, of uh, concern that they would be involved with this, with this group, that they would film in the area that these prison camps are in. Um, it has gone so far as having the head of finance for Disney uh, have to address the topic at a, at a Bank of America conference of all the weird places. Um, and she didn't really uh, exactly address it so much as, say, uh, most of the film was filmed in New Zealand, and uh, we were granted permission from China to film, which is required. If you're going to film anything in China, you have to have the government's permission. Um, and that uh, one of the 20 locations was in this area, but it was not in one of the camps. It's, it's definitely a little uh, uh, shaky ground um, that now Congress wants a better explanation. They sent a letter... Uh, to Disney asking for for more information about um, how closely they worked with an organization that may be involved in covering up some massive human rights violations, uh, and Disney has not yet responded. But there is a massive boycott against Disney right now uh, because of this, and the film did not do what they expected in its in its initial release, probably because of it. It's a it's a weird situation. There's, there's a lot of reasons why this film would not do well. That's true. Number one, number one, it didn't come to theaters like they would have liked it to. And by the way, did you see how Tenet did in theaters? The I think the only major release that's come out uh -huh. since COVID nineteen did terrible. Yeah, and that may be why Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four has been postponed again. Number five, until, think, Christmas date. Number five. It's going to be postponed. It's going to be again. It's yeah. going to be postponed again. Um, it's going to. I mean, all indications are people are not the last place. I mean, we don't need to go on this tangent here, but the last place people are going to go if there's any concern about a pandemic is the movie theater. Mm -hmm. The last place. Now, look, there's lots of people in America who seem to think that there's not really a pandemic and they can go around without wearing masks and everything's okay. Uh, maybe those, maybe some of those folks will go to the movies, but there are enough people uh, out there who know, who are in touch with reality and know that it's actually dangerous that, um, that it, you just can't have a successful movie release right now. So they released it on Disney plus, but then are charging, aren't they charging people $20 or something for it? 30, 30. Yeah. So right there, that's a fact. No one wants that. I mean, and a lot of people know that it's going to be available as part of Disney plus in December. Right. Right. Uh, so, so I mean, that could be said, unfortunately about anything that's being released at, right now under yeah. that same type of system like situation. Like uh, for example, my wife and I would love to see Bill and Ted face the music. We really like Bill and Ted, but 
we could probably save the $25 and just wait a few months until, <laughs> until we can rent it for $5. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we made an exception for Trolls World Tour because it was my son's birthday and he wanted to see it. And okay, we'll do that. But, um, you know, it's it's a hard sell to get people to spend more money to watch it on the same TV screen that they could watch something on three months later for either five dollars or, or free. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that that's the baseline, right? That's that's. But you have to. The, assume, that's the big problem. But you have to problem. assume that they that they took that into consideration when they were looking at what sure at what was possible. And they still I mean, missed expectations. Yes. And then you have, don't you also have to have Disney Plus to rent it? Yep. Uh-huh. Didn't they do something like that? So you've also now, like, further, for those who don't have Disney Plus, now they can't rent it. So right. that's, like, further limiting your audience, your your customer base, for reasons I don't understand. I guess to promote Disney Plus. But if you really want to promote Disney Plus, that would be free on Disney Plus. Um, but also, there's more. What you didn't say was there was another controversy about the movie before the one that you're talking about. Uh-huh. And uh, the star, Lu Yifei, uh, came out in support of the uh, of the Hong Kong police. Came out uh, came out in, in against the pro-democracy protests in hong kong well that might go over well in inland china right but it certainly won't go over go over go over well outside so that was a controversy yeah right and now you have this controversy about where it was shot so yeah I mean, this highlights, a, this is the continual push-pull of companies that are doing business, doing business in China. Right. Right. They have to have, they have to please or kind of go along with the rules of the Chinese government. And, but they also know that sometimes in going along with those rules and trying to please the Chinese government, they're going to do things that run afoul of the values of people in the West. Right. And this this is a a prime example of it, but it's not the only one. Uh, Think about Google uh, when they had when they had to pull out of China because Google wanted wanted them to not anonymize to to turn over to spy on the citizens. Uh So like but other countries are more than happy. Other companies are more than happy to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, it's. It's a dilemma. China is one of the United States' biggest trading partners. Right. It is a, a a huge economic and manufacturing force, and it's also a huge market. Not only does Disney, I mean, Disney doesn't really have to worry about manufacturing things in China so much, but they Disney wants the Chinese audience. Yeah. There's a billion consumers there that they want to reach. Companies and it's, really want to reach that audience. And it's a film about China. <laughs> Right. Like, and right. You, this is your prime. Like, this is probably the movie that is most going to appeal to, um, uh, to a Chinese audience. Although they may also think, Hey, we, we would rather watch, uh, watch a movie. Like, I mean, there, there actually has been 
at least one version of Mulan that was made by Chinese filmmakers that mm-hmm. was not not, not Disneyfied. Right. Uh, and I've been wanting to see that actually. It's not Disneyfied. It's not of songs. <laughs> it's actually trying to be, I think, a little more historically accurate. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's an issue, yep. and Disney's going to have to deal with it. I they remember that they're they're constantly doing things to try to get uh, more things in front of the Chinese audience. Like there was that whole, there was a whole little subplot in, I think it was Iron Man three, but I could have been Avengers two. I think it was Iron Man three where, uh, where this other like doc Chinese doctor helps Iron Man, but those scenes were only in China. Yeah. We're only shown in China. Yeah. So so there there have been things like that where you know they're really trying to target that audience as a business. I can't I can't blame them. But it does you you do have a a line that you have to walk if you're going to continue to do business in the West because you know right. the the West does not like a lot of the human rights stuff happening in China and so you end up in a sticky situation here. Um, I look forward to seeing what Disney has to say uh, in response to this uh, congressional letter. Uh, It could be fascinating. And uh, we will probably know in the, in the coming weeks what that ends up looking like. So there's no telling though. Well, guys, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. Uh, If you didn't join us live and would like to in the future, you can do that Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us and uh, chat with us in the studio while we while we do the show and give us your feedback on the topics. We always love that. Uh, you can also go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe and see all of our shows and all the different ways that you can watch or listen. I got to say, it's good to be back. Um, I wish that the new backdrop was in place, but it's okay. I definitely feel like I'm at home in front of, <laughs> in front of this backdrop. So, uh, so it, it's, it's good to be back. I've missed you, Avram. And, uh, I uh, missed you too. I missed, missed, missed you. Missed doing the show. So uh, I'm glad we're back, and I'm excited for the new back, the new background. Me too. I can't wait to see it in in place. It's all in my head, but I don't know what it's going to look like in real life. This one it came out way better than what was in my head. So we'll see if the next one works out the same way. Um, but uh, for now, uh, we're back to normal. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, ideally if everything goes right next week uh and we've got some new stuff coming out uh this week some how to's on the the new monster smart illuminescence products we've got an unboxing on the surface duo and a whole lot more uh so definitely check that out and with that on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott i'm aram and we will see you guys back next time ciao